the gospel pointed for this Christmas day comes from the gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. We will consider these verses in our sermon this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him everything was made, and without him not one thing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind, the light shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as an eyewitness to testify about the light so that everyone would believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The real light that shines on everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, yet his own people did not accept him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. They were born not of blood or the desire of the flesh or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen his glory, the glory he has as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him. He cried out, This was the one I spoke about when I said, The one coming after me outranks me, because he existed before me. For out of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only begotten Son, who is close to the Father's side, has made him known. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Everybody likes to hear of a Christmas miracle of an account when someone who is down and out receives a stroke of good luck and some wonderful good news that brings them to rejoice with great joy with everyone else, especially when it's around the joyous time of Christmas. You can find any number of movies that are based entirely on this premise of someone who is down and out, receives the good news, and then ends with the happy story, and never any supply in movies and shows. But if possible, we prefer Christmas miracles to be at least somewhat grounded in reality, and if possible, a true story. A story like what happened with the family of Archie Kleichman as they prepared to celebrate Christmas in 1917. You see, Archie was a U.S. service member during World War I who had been in a battle, was missing in action, and was presumed to be dead. Understandably, the family was not expecting to celebrate Christmas that year. With the grief that was upon them with the loss of their loved one and not any official word to bring closure that they were looking for. Their Christmas was effectively canceled. And that is, until a nosy postmaster in rural Parker, South Dakota, was looking through the mail that would be sent out after Christmas because of the federal holiday. And he saw that there was a postcard from Archie. 
who is alive and well but in a prisoner of war camp. And Postmaster knew how good this news would be for the family to hear, so he made a special delivery. He drove out to the country home. He gave the good news, and Archie's family, they were filled with great joy. Yes, Archie wouldn't be with them for Christmas, but he was alive. And he would be eventually coming home, and the war ended the very next year. So they could celebrate Christmas because they had received a Christmas miracle. That is indeed a heartwarming story. But we who have gathered for worship today on this Christmas day, we have an even better Christmas miracle to celebrate, one that happened in its true entirety, one that is the best good news of all, that brings us great joy of what we hear the angels tell us, of how God became man. Last night we heard how God became man with the birth of Jesus in the tiny town of Bethlehem. And this morning we get to learn more about its significance as spelled out for us in John chapter 1. Of Jesus when he was born, he was born both true man and true God so he could redeem us from our sins and give us the right to become children of God, of a God who loves us so much that he became man for you and for me. Long before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was already true God. The Apostle John, he spells that out in clear terms in a number of ways by calling Jesus the Word, uh, a philosophical term used by Jewish and Greek thinkers for 400 plus years by that time to refer to that, that rational, that divine intelligence that binds all things together and that governs over all. When John calls Jesus the Word, he's not just putting a face to this true but invisible concept but also identifies that Jesus, he is the link between God above and us below. And in Jesus, we see who our God is. John also spells out that Jesus is God by just plainly calling him so. And it's describing that Jesus was even active in the creation of all things as recorded in Genesis. That's why John the Baptist could say, that the one who comes after me, that he existed before me, even though John the Baptist was born six months before Jesus, six months before that first Christmas. But when that first Christmas happened, things would change. For Jesus would go from being just true God to now being both true God and true man. The Apostle John, he describes this happening as simply saying that the Word became flesh. We can also phrase it in the angel's good news for us this morning of how God became man. And when he did, he took on human flesh and blood just like you and me and grew up just as a person would. Starting off as that cute, tiny infant who could fit within an animal's feed box growing in wisdom and stature as a boy and as a teenager and blossoming into be a full-grown adult until his prophesied and momentous death at the age of 33 on the cross. 
since rising from the dead, he continues to be true man with the same flesh and blood that he had before. But before he made a name for himself, if you were to look at Jesus, you would not see someone who is both true God and true man. You would see someone who looked pretty normal. Your typical first century Israelite guy. And if you didn't know any different, he would just be one of many. That's why, before he made a name for himself, he needed others, like John the Baptist, to point people to him to say, this is the one to listen to. This is the Lamb of God. This is the promised Savior. Because he didn't look all that different than anyone else, being true man that he is. As, as Christians, we confess faith that Jesus is both true God and true man, but those who are lost in sin's darkness sadly do not confess this wonderful truth. Apostle John, he is right to describe the difference between Jesus as sin, as light and darkness. For Jesus, he is the light of life that shows us God's salvation for our sin, for why we are so down and out, and how we get to heaven. And sin is that darkness in which we stumble about, lost and confused, until we eventually fall to our eternal condemnation. And those who stumble about in that darkness, they do not see Jesus for who he truly is. They do not recognize him. They do not accept him. They do not see that he is both true man and true God. They do not accept that he is the promised Savior who's taken their sins away. But it's more than just that. They even war against him and actively reject him as made clear when push comes to shove. This clash between light and darkness, between Jesus and sin, is seen in many different areas. And Jesus' birth on Christmas when God became man is just one flashpoint of how we see it all around us. But it's also a clash that we find within ourselves. Even we who have gathered for worship on Christmas Day to see how good and great it is that God became man we find that clash in our sinful minds, in our sinful hearts. Our sinful minds wonder if the angel's good news can actually be all that true. By asking, how can Jesus really be true God? No one exists before they are conceived and born. Life begins at conception, not before. And to say that Jesus, that he existed before he was conceived, well, that's not true for anybody. And then more than that, to say that he is God himself, he is the word, the link between the Lord above and us, that he was part of the creation of everything, come on. No person can be compared to God. In no way can he be true God at all. Or maybe we ask the question, how can Jesus be true man? God is present everywhere. And he is greater than anything and anyone. Can God be God if he is housed in a human body? Why, that's trying to like 
put all the water's world into a single glass. You just can't do it. You can't contain the infinite and something finite because that's either going to be limiting God or it just, it just simply can't be. The only way we can make sense of that is if the body that Jesus has is not quite true human. Sure, it may look like us, but it's actually not. It's this or that. And we say the only way it can be is if he is not true man. And so we doubt what the angels tell us. The good news of God himself who became man. Or maybe you may find this clash between light and darkness. Maybe it's not so much in your head and the questions you ask, but maybe it's found in your heart and where your great joy comes from. Ask yourself this. What is it that brings you the greatest joy this time of year? Is it your relaxed schedule or your time off from work and school? Is it the traditions you get to enjoy with friends and family together again? Is it your improved standard of living now that you have all these toys and gifts to play with and that you've wanted for so long? Is it your celebration of your Savior Jesus in whom God became man? Or, or maybe you can ferret out where your true joy comes from by asking this question. If you were to take away all your celebrations as a Christian, all that you do for giving thanks to the Lord for Jesus being born to us, just how different would these days look? Would it be nice to have one less thing to include in your busy schedules? Or would it put a damper on everything? Because something is just missing. It's not all that it could be. Even we who gather for worship on Christmas Day to celebrate God who became man in Jesus Christ, even we find that clash between the light and the darkness in our head or in our heart. But thankfully, God's word shows us that darkness has no place. It shows us what the good news is that the angels came to bring, how God became man for you and for me, and with this good news, oh, we cannot help but be filled with great joy, the greatest Christmas miracle of all. There's without a trace of doubt that Jesus certainly is true God. Called the very thing active with the Lord and participating in creation, the very link between the Lord above and ourselves here because he is our Savior. He is true God, existed long before anything else was and certainly before John the Baptist came on the scene. He is, as John says so briefly, the Word who became flesh. In becoming flesh, he also is true man. You see, because Jesus is God, that means that he's all-powerful, and he can break the laws of science and math and philosophy how and where he wants, as long as he wants. He's not bound by them. He's the one who made the laws. And so God can still be God, even if he's housed in a human body, and we're not limiting God or putting shackles on him. No, he is still just as great and glorious as he is described to be. And trying to compare God to water just doesn't make sense. Water has a fixed physical presence. God does not. And so you can't compare the two to even begin with. 
It's because of the certainty we have from God's word that our doubts can be put aside and believe what the angels say that certainly in Jesus we have both God and man to read with confidence what we hear in Colossians chapter 2. For all the fullness of God's being dwells bodily in Christ. It's in Christ we find who our Savior is. We're not sliding either side. Nor do we mix or separate his two natures. He is both God and man 100%. With the assurance that this news is truth, we then have that joy in our heart. John's verses here, it, it begins to describe why we have this joy, but it's really in the remaining 21 chapters of his book. He explains why we are so much filled with joy. Thankfully, our second reading from Galatians chapter 4 describes our joy in much fewer words. As true man, Jesus was born of a woman like you and me, under the same law as you and me that demands perfection. If we can keep it, we get the best prize of all, eternal life in heaven and righteousness. But if you break it in even the smallest point, eternal condemnation is the result This was the law under which Jesus was placed. And as true man, he was expected to live up to it according in every thought, word, and action without exception. And as true God, he did what you and I cannot. He kept it perfectly and earned that reward for himself, but he didn't keep it for himself, oh no. He shares it with you and me by exchanging his righteousness for our sins, exchanging our place on the cross to receive the punishment that should have been ours and instead giving to us the result as if we had never sinned in the first place, that prize of the law, that eternal life, that righteousness, that peace, that salvation, all through simple faith in him. Why could Jesus do this? Why could he redeem us from our sins? Because he is both God and man. If he was only one, he could not do all this. But because he is both, we benefit to the greatest degree. And because he has redeemed us, we get to be called children of God. We turn our attention back to the Apostle John who describes how this blessed status comes to be ours. Where he says, the real light that shines on everyone was coming into the world To all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. They were born, not of blood, or the desire of the flesh, or of a husband's will, but born of God. It's by his grace and mercy that we who are down and out because of the sins we have committed and inherited now children of the Lord, forgiven in his sight, holy and precious to him above. Not by our choice, but by him who chose us to be his and who gave us that wonderful gift of faith so we can recognize and rejoice in Jesus who was born to us to see him for who he truly is, not a simple man who looked like anyone else, but God himself who came down to us to be our Savior, to rejoice in this most wondrous time of all, that here is our Savior who came to us, and in him we have salvation and so much more. And where does it all begin? In the manger in Bethlehem, 
where our Savior lies. So he could grow up and to save you and me. As you continue your Christmas celebrations, be filled with great joy that comes from the angel's good news that God became man for you and for me. Look in that manger and know who you are looking at, not just your promised Savior, but the one who has redeemed you from your sins because he is true man and true God under the same law as you who kept it in your place and has given you the benefit of everything you could ever hope for. And it is certainly yours through faith in him. It all begins here in a simple manger in the little town of Bethlehem is where our joy begins. And from Bethlehem, we see our joy become all the more. We see how and why and how wonderful it is that God became man for you and for me. Amen. And the peace of God surpasses all understanding. will guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.